This is the Daily Signal podcast for Wednesday, May 11th. I'm Virginia Allen. And I'm Doug Blair. Big tech censorship continues to be an issue for Americans who are attempting to express their First Amendment rights online. In Louisiana, Attorney General Jeff Landry has taken steps to protect those rights. He recently filed a lawsuit against President Biden, amongst others, for allegedly working with big tech to censor conservatives. He joins Fred Lucas today to discuss that lawsuit. But before we get to Fred's conversation with Attorney General Jeff Landry, let's hit our top news stories of the day. Responding to massive price hikes for everyday essentials, President Biden on Tuesday delivered a speech on his plans to relieve Americans from inflation. Here's Biden via Bloomberg. I know the families all across America are hurting because of inflation. I understand what it feels like. I come from a family where when the, when the price of gas for food went up, we felt it. It was a discussion at the kitchen table. I, went, uh, I want every American to know that I'm taking inflation uh, very seriously, and it's my top domestic priority. Biden assigned blame for rising inflation to both the coronavirus pandemic and the ongoing war in Ukraine. Biden also blamed congressional Republicans for failing to pass his agenda and targeted Florida Senator Rick Scott, whom he incorrectly referred to as being from Wisconsin, in particular via CNBC. They've made their intentions perfectly clear. Senator Rick Scott, Wisconsin, a member of the Senate Republican leadership, laid it all out in a plan. It's the ultra-mega agenda. Their plan is to raise taxes on 75 million American families, over 95% of whom make less than $100,000 a year total income. The average tax increase would be about $1,500 per family. They've got it backwards, in my view. Scott released a statement excoriating the president prior to Biden's speech, saying, it's simple. The most effective thing Joe Biden can do to solve the inflation crisis he created is resign. He's the problem. Getting him out of office is a quick and easy solution. Scott continued, let's be honest here. Joe Biden is unwell. He's unfit for office. He's incoherent, incapacitated, and confused. He doesn't know where he is half the time. He's incapable of leading, and he's incapable of carrying out his duties, period. Mickey Mouse and the folks over at Disney have been the center of some controversy recently, and it's continuing this week. Missouri Republican Senator Josh Hawley has introduced a bill to limit copyright protections for major companies, including Walt Disney. The Copyright Clause Restriction Act of 2020 would limit copyright protections to 56 years for big businesses just like Disney. Fox reports that under old law, which has been known as Mickey Mouse Protection Act, copyrights for corporations have extended up to 120 years. Holly tells Fox News that he is introducing the bill to limit copyright protections because the age of Republican handouts to big business is over. And he added that thanks to special copyright protections from Congress, woke corporations like Disney have earned billions while increasingly pandering to woke activists. It's time to take away Disney's special privileges and open up a new era of creativity and innovation. The introduction of the bill comes after Disney actively protested Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' new parental rights legislation that restricts teaching pro-LGBTQ curriculum in kindergarten through third grade. 
The Senate has taken measures to increase protection for the Supreme Court justices. On Monday, the body passed legislation to bolster security for the justices in light of ongoing protests surrounding a vote on Roe v. Wade. The legislation marks a technical change, allowing court law enforcement to provide 24-hour security to the justices' immediate family members. The bipartisan bill was sponsored by Senator Chris Coons, Democrat from Delaware, as well as Senator John Cornyn, Republican from Texas. It passed via a voice vote with no objections. In a press release before the vote, Cornyn said, We must act to ensure justices and their families are protected from those who wish to cause them harm by extending Supreme Court police security to family members. The bill now moves to the House for a later vote. Has abortion now become an economic debate? That is the question South Carolina Republican Senator Tim Scott posed to Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen during a Senate Banking Committee hearing on Tuesday. Scott asked Yellen to clarify remarks she made, asking her, did you say that ending the life of a child is good for the labor force participation rate, Percy Spin. To make it sound like it's just another 0.4% added to our labor force participation as a result of the issue of abortion just, to me, seems harsh. Well, I I certainly don't mean to um, say what I think the effects are in a manner that's harsh. What we're talking about is... Um, whether or not women will have the ability um, to regulate their reproductive um, situation in ways that will enable them to plan lives that are fulfilling and satisfying for them. Yellen said that one aspect of a satisfying life is being able to feel that you have the financial resources to raise a child, that the children you bring into the world are wanted, and that you have the ability to take care of them. The senator responded by sharing a little of his own story, saying, as a man who was raised by a black mom in abject poverty, I'm thankful to be here. Better fill up your gas tank now. Gas prices are reaching new record highs. Tuesday marked yet another record high for fuel costs as the average price for a gallon of gas hit $4.37, according to AAA. This average overtakes the previous high of $4.33 set last March. Western states have been hit particularly hard, and National Review reports that California, Nevada, and Hawaii all have an average price per gallon of more than $5.00. Gas prices had originally begun to sink in April, but unfortunately have risen again in May. Now stay tuned for Fred Lucas's conversation with Attorney General Jeff Landry. And then be sure to stay tuned after that interview because Doug and I are going to break down some of the debates and protests that are happening at the homes of the Supreme Court justices. As conservatives, sometimes it feels like we're constantly on defense against bad ideas. Bad philosophy, revisionist history, junk science, and divisive politics. But here's something I've come to understand. When faced with bad ideas, it's not enough to just defend. If we want to save this country, then it's time to go on offense. Conservative principles are ideas that work. Individual responsibility, strong local communities, and belief in the American dream. As a former college professor and current president of the Heritage Foundation, my life's mission is to learn, educate, and take action. 
My podcast, The Kevin Roberts Show, is my opportunity to share that journey with you. I'll be diving into the critical issues that plague our nation, having deep conversations with high-profile guests, some of whom may surprise you. And I want to ensure freedom for the next generation. Find The Kevin Roberts Show wherever you get your podcasts. We're joined today by uh, Attorney General Jeff Landry of Louisiana. Uh, Thanks for joining us, sir. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so I want to jump right into this lawsuit uh, that you and the Attorney General of Missouri have brought against the Biden administration uh, dealing with, essentially, it it seems like you're accusing the Biden administration of outsourcing censorship through the tech companies. Well, exactly. You know, when the government, when the government uh, strong arms are are basically uh, forces a company to do something that they that the government would it would be unconstitutional for them to do then basically what happens is is that those companies then become an arm of the government like I'll give you an example in a criminal context the police can't say oh if they want to go into your house thinking that you are peddling drugs they can't go to your friend and say could you just go in there and tell us whether or not there's drugs in there in other words you, they can't co-opt a, 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 a private person or a, an entity in order to do that under which they normally couldn't do. And so this is what this suit does, because what we found is, is that the government has gone out there and basically forced these companies to censor information that really the American people should have a right to know, that sometimes down the road we found out has actually been true. Like, where did, the, where did COVID-19 actually originate from? How did it come? Remember? You know, they, oh, it came from a bad, it came from an open market. We know a lot more now than we did back then, but think about all of the censoring they did for that, right? right. And then you look at Hunter Biden's laptop, same thing. And so what happens is, is this is a way under which our federal government is censoring information that the American people should have access to. I think the lawsuit uh, talks about uh, these Social media companies are uh, facing pressure from the government. Also, the there's collusion. Uh, do, do you think there's a little bit of both? And do, do you think it's, um, I guess, is it hiding in plain sight or is, is it more secretive? What's amazing is they've been pretty brazen. I mean, mm-hmm. Pataki's done, I mean, she's just gone out there and said it, basically, uh-huh. that they've they've worked with some of the big tech companies in order to, to censor information. And then... And then, I mean, think about this. Think about DHS's de-inf- uh, disinformation uh, agency. I mean, right. on its face, that's a violation of the First Amendment for the government to basically have a branch of the government that goes out there and determines what information is true and which is not. I mean, the American people are certainly capable of being able to decide that for themselves. Right, yeah. The, I, I was actually going to ask you about that as well, this uh... – uh, how, how do you think this entire um, lawsuit, uh, the the topic of this lawsuit, uh, ties in with this uh, government disinformation board that was announced the prior week? Well, I think I think that if we if we would have tried to bring this lawsuit two or three months ago, I think mm-hmm. they would have laughed us out of court. Mm-hmm. But I think that what we today, if you look at where we are today, people are really starting to raise their eyebrows, and it's mostly because of this disinformation branch. In other words, the government and big tech have become basically brazen in the fact of in the face of the American people saying, we are going to give you the information that we deem you need. You mentioned that the government's been pretty brazen. Uh, you, you've had 
folks like uh, Jin Psaki, uh, even the president at times have talked about uh, they expect these social media companies to have a certain responsibility and whatnot. Do you think it's going to uh, require a lot of discovery uh, to get into more of what's been said, memos, emails, and so forth? Or, or do you think a lot can be relied on public statements that were out there? Oh, no, no, no. We'll, we're we're going to use the public statements in order to go after the discovery of exactly what you look at. I can't wait. I cannot wait to lift the hood of that vehicle <laughs> and see what's underneath it. Uh, I can tell you it'll be extremely interesting. And, and again, the interesting part is that all of the information uh, in the communication between the government and big tech is certainly uh, a matter of, of – should be a matter of public record, right? And mm-hmm. so they should have been archiving that. We should know about it. It'll be absolutely interesting. Uh, you know, we are hoping that we can get to the discovery phase. And like I said, you know, the easy part is to use their own public comments to drill down to exactly what happened behind the scenes. Uh, was there ever consideration of naming uh, uh, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, any of these media companies as defendants as well, or you're just entirely focused on the government right now? Well, again, you know, again, it's that that has always been the weak link in trying uh, to hold big tech accountable, uh, especially when you're leveling like a First Amendment um, uh, claim. You know, the First Amendment only restricts the government not a private entity. That's what we've been hearing for years, although I believe that, the, that, that, that these tech companies are operating a virtual public square. That's a discussion for another day. This is, and that's why this suit hones in on government action, whether or not the government coerced, whether or not they colluded with, whether or not they pressured, or whether they joined hands uh, in, in censoring information that the American people, that belong to the American people. Okay. And uh, I did see that the lawsuit, it, it names the president, uh, Biden, uh, also the, the press secretary we mentioned earlier. Um, secretary Mayorkas uh, mentions him. Uh, this new. Dr. Uh, Fauci. Right, right. Dr. I Fauci. Think. Uh, I think Jankowitz as well. Uh, the, this new disinformation board chair. Is it possible the lawsuit could grow, name any other defendants as well within the government? I mean, look, once you get into litigation like that, and as we discuss, it'd be interesting to see what discovery will lead us. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes as you get, get deeper and deeper into discovery, uh, your, your litigation path takes you elsewhere. And so uh, we'll just have to see, see where it goes. Would you anticipate any other states joining you uh, in this as plaintiffs or, or at least writing I, uh, amicus briefs? Uh, oh, I'm, I'm sure we will. I'm sure there'll be some other states interested as well. There may be some private parties that end, that end up intervening as well, because, again, that action that, you know, the government's collusion affected some uh, some companies as well. You know, other conservative outlets, and, and they're certainly welcome to join that suit as well. I think that's most of the questions I had on, on this particular topic. Uh, anything else you would want to add? No, uh, look, we look forward to, to, to seeing this litigation come to pass and get into the discovery phase and and hopefully uh you know at the end of it we'll get a good ruling and a free america all right uh, i also want to ask you uh while i have you here um last week uh we, we did have uh three of your fellow republican state attorneys generals uh they announced that they were leaving the um national association of attorneys general just want to get your thinking on that is, is that something you would consider doing as well or do you plan to stay in the organization 
Well, look, I did see the letter just like y'all, and I got it about the same time. Maybe y'all got it. Uh, you know, I think that there are some issues that have been brewing at the National Association of Attorney Generals for quite some time. I know there are a, a number of members that are frustrated, uh, including myself. Uh, I would hope that we could find a way to really reorganize that organization uh, in, in, in a manner that truly serves in, in, a, in, a, you know, in a very equal bipartisan fashion. Uh, the organization had has done a lot of good in the past uh, and, um, and as a big training site there as well. And so, you know, we'll see. We'll see if we can get this thing worked out or whether or not it gets further fractured. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Okay. If you're tired of high taxes, fewer health care choices, and bigger and bigger government, it's time to partner with the most impactful conservative organization in America. We're the Heritage Foundation, and we're committed to solving the issues America faces. Together, we'll fight back against the rising tide of homegrown socialism, and we'll fight for conservative solutions that are making families more free and more prosperous. But we can't do it without you. Please join us at heritage.org. After a draft version of the Supreme Court Justice's decision on the Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization case was leaked to the public, Pro-abortion protesters have begun marching to the homes of the court's conservative justices. On Saturday, I had the opportunity to follow some of these protests as they made their way from the houses of both Justice John Roberts and Justice Brett Kavanaugh. They started their journey at a small market in Chevy Chase, Maryland, before they made it to Justice John Roberts' house. While there, they were very angry, very upset. They yelled and they screamed. They said that they would never go back to prior times before Roe v. Wade. Uh, It was really intense, but I did not know anything yet because they made it to Brett Kavanaugh's house and it went downhill from there. Yeah. So, Doug, talk a little bit about that. Share what exactly the differences were as you move between the justices' houses and how the tone of the crowd changed when you got to Justice Kavanaugh's house. You could feel a change in the air when you got from Justice John Roberts' house to Justice Brett Kavanaugh's house. Uh, I think there was some prior resentment from his very tumultuous confirmation hearings. And so a lot of these people just don't believe he should be there at all, both for the fact that he's a conservative and for the fact that they believe he committed horrific crimes. Uh, People were yelling and screaming at both houses, but there was definitely a sense of malice at the second house, at Justice Kavanaugh's house, that I just didn't feel at Justice John Roberts' house. Interesting. So fascinating. And the protest Monday night was uh, to Justice Samuel Alito's home. And Justice Samuel Alito is the one who actually wrote that draft opinion. Uh, So this crowd was definitely fired up, but not as much, Doug, I know, as the crowd that you witnessed on Saturday night. But what we still witnessed was a lot of people chanting, shouting expletives. Let's take a listen on uh, what that tone was Monday night. So as you can hear, they're shouting F the courts and the legislature. We are not your incubator. This was one of many, many chants as they walked about half a mile from a parking lot nearby to Justice Samuel Alito's home, where then several speeches were given. Uh, And again, there was more chanting. The crowd was riled up. We want to give you a little bit of a sense of what some of those speeches were. Let's go ahead and roll that. For all those people who use the Bible and use religion to try and force their ideals on other people's bodies, this one's for you. Take a look in your Bible and see for yourself. 
Now, Virginia, to you, I, I was there with you, and I could tell that this particular remark hit you hard. Can you maybe explain a little bit about why this bothered you so much? So it really was disturbing, and I, I actually tweeted out in response. So, you know, she she refers to essentially Christians, she calls them Bible thumpers. And she's, she made this argument that the Bible states that life begins at birth, which no, it doesn't. And uh, a question that I kind of posed on Twitter was, I wonder what her response would be to Jeremiah 1.5, which is the passage before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born, I set you apart. And that's just one of several verses in the Bible that points to the fact that life begins in the womb. It begins at conception. And for someone to try and twist those words to rile up a crowd for political reasons is just disgusting. Absolutely. That's some beautiful, beautiful um, poetry almost from the Bible. We actually have a little bit more audio from that protest. Let's take a listen. So we heard those protesters chanting, abort the court, abort the court, over and over and over again. It actually reminded me a lot of some of the chants that I heard when I was at the court on Monday when the decision was first released. There were calls to pack the court. This is a crowd that is very anti-government. They are against a lot of these institutions that are basically providing the structure by which we we maintain the American society, right? So we would hear things like pack the court, abolish the Senate. In this particular circumstance, it was abort the court. Uh, these leftists were not in favor of any institutions that went against their beliefs. So if it was if it was getting rid of abortion, if it was getting rid of Roe, had to go. Well, and I think we repeatedly see this from the far left, that there's something that they don't like, and their answer is, Let's just get rid of it. Right. Let's defund it. Let's tear it down. Uh, not because it's innately corrupt or wrong, but just because it's not behaving like we want it to. Absolutely. And that is so dangerous. Now, I, I do want to take a minute to share one more clip with you all. I had the opportunity to overhear a conversation that a reporter was having with one of the protesters. The only really words that I can use to describe her remarks are tragic. This is a woman who is discussing the fact that she was born before Roe v. Wade, that her mom didn't have a choice. She had to give birth to her. Um, and she's, in many ways, she's lamenting that fact that she's alive today. It's my body, it's my choice. My, as I said before, my mother didn't have a choice, so I'm here, but I had 57 years of misery. If she had a choice, she would have made different decisions, and I might not have been here, nobody would have been wiser. Give her her choice, but rather than she having a choice, a choice was made for her because she didn't have it, and she brought treasure into the world that she didn't want. What do you want people to know? What do they have to know about abortion? What's the number one message? My body, my choice. That's the number one message. My body, my choice. I'm not a second-class citizen. Yeah, just so sad. I, my, I was thinking about that clip after I got home, and I was like, man, I honestly just wish that uh, I could or someone could just spend some time with that woman and remind her that she is a valuable human being, that she is loved, that there is a reason why she is on this earth. I think that is the message of the pro-life movement, that every life is sacred. Every life has value. Every life has purpose, no matter where you come from, no matter what your background is. Um, and we we can't stray from that message uh, because it's the truth. So uh, we're going to continue to keep you all updated on 
what is happening as this debate continues to unfold on Wednesday nights. There are going to be more protesters at the houses of the justices. Doug, tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. So tonight we are going to see the culmination of all of these protests. They These groups have planned a, a massive set of marches to every single conservative's house. We've only seen a couple so far. It's been Sam Alito. Uh, Justice John Roberts and Justice Brett Kavanaugh, but we're going to see the rest of the conservative justices get their house protested too. And as Virginia mentioned, uh, the Daily Signal will be covering it. So make sure you're following both the Daily Signal on Twitter as well as me at Douglas K. Blair and Virginia. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Virginia underscore Allen five. We are going to be out there posting lots of videos, clips just to keep you all informed and to give you a picture of what's actually happening on the ground live as it's happening. And that's going to be all for today's show. Thank you again for listening to the Daily Signal podcast. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't already to the Daily Signal podcast on your podcast listening app of choice. That's Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. Also, leave us a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts if you can, and encourage others, friends and family, to subscribe. Thank you all again for listening. We'll see you right back here tomorrow morning. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. The executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen and Doug Blair. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, please visit DailySignal.com.